Go, Mike, go! They're doing it. They're doing a podcast. With great podcasts, there comes great responsibilities. That went just as well as we could have planned for it. Went, went just as well as any other week. <laughs> Welcome to We Bought a Mic. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And Drew Dietzen as well is here. Uh, so thanks for listening, everyone. We're not going to we tell you, you, we're not going to tell you what movie we watched this week. It's a total mystery. The intro song was totally unrelated to anything. Beale we're, Street can talk. We're talking, <laughs> um, Spider Ham, which is the new movie from, um, I thought we were talking Spider Gwen. Oh, Spider Gwen. Wait, Spider Man Noir? Spider anime character girl? Are these all one movie? It couldn't be. No way! Wow. (laughs) From the sick, twisted mind of Phil Lord. (laughs) (laughs) You have entered the Spider Verse. (laughs) So, yeah. Into the Spider Verse, uh, brand new movie out in theaters today, and a bunch of stuff that we've been watching. But I really want to talk about a thing that i saw on the internet today that i was completely flabbergasted <laughs> did you guys great. see the trailer for brexit yep unfortunately no <laughs> you didn't see this no um apparently hbo decided that it would be a great idea to make a movie starring benedict cumberbatch uh about the people b- behind the leave campaign for brexit is it painting them in a sympathetic light um that's unclear yeah the the trailer it really the trailer looks like an snl bit like it looks it doesn't look like it's a real thing yeah it looks fake so it is a movie i couldn't tell if it was a movie or if it was gonna be like a short series no it's a it's a mid series it's a movie okay huh um okay (laughs) yeah why That that was pretty much my thoughts as well uh it it looks just very strange and slightly problematic because um you know, this is still something that's very fresh. This and... is still something that people in Britain are trying to fight and prevent from happening, including, like, people in the government of Britain. Yeah, so this guy that um, that Cumberbatch is playing, his name is... It's not David Cameron, is it? Dominic Cummings. <laughs> I didn't know who this guy was until I saw this trailer, but he was basically, like, the mastermind of the whole vote leave campaign and it's about him yeah what a weird choice because even if it's about even if a movie is about a horrible person it's impossible for it to be a good movie without you kind of painting them sympathetically a little bit so it's going to have to paint it a sympathetic yeah like i don't i don't know man like you could make a movie about like a dying migrant family that would probably be a lot better i just don't know why like (laughs) it just seems with hbo with their capabilities to make excellent documentaries why didn't they just make this into a doc and then they can show both sides of it in a neutral field instead of turning it into like a work of dramatic fiction yeah the the 
all of the material is there for a documentary. It's happening you can, right now. You can, you can just go there and ask any random person on the street on what their thoughts um, are. I mean, even then, it's just, yeah, why, why does it need to be a, a movie? Why is this a movie? Why is it a movie? Are we just going to turn every shitty political <laughs> turn into a movie in like a year and a half's time? How long do you think after Trump's campaign is over that we're going to get like eight different biopics about Trump? Oh, it, yeah, it's going to be... I, I really don't know Christian what Christian Bale is going to transform his body once again. <laughs> I mean, it is. Um, I'd be cool with that. It is co produced with Channel 4, who is like the big uh, British channel. Channel. Uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the, the English <laughs> channel, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's them and the BBC. Those are the two uh, huge ones. Yeah. So I think, um, I don't know if you guys know, but like uh, The Guardian. I think it was the Guardian Channel 4 did a massive piece, uh, I think earlier this year, about the um, Cambridge Analytica, which was the marketing firm that basically uh, orchestrated all of the online uh, yeah. misinformation campaigns about, you know, surrounding Brexit and the U.S. Uh, presidential election. So maybe there's a chance that there is some sort of journalistic integrity in this fictional film and that mm. they are trying to tell like some sort of, um, you know, factual story about like how horrible these people are and, and their uh, evil intentions because there's no, um, you know, sympathetic view of what they did here. Like they preyed on people's fears and they led a campaign that was, instilled in in xenophobia and racism and just the fear of you know refugees and and yeah immigrants and all this stuff. and and to be clear this is not going to be like it's not going to turn this guy into a hero by any means he's not going he's going to be a villain it's going to be a movie about a bad guy because no decent budget movie especially one on hbo is going to be made with a conservative viewpoint that's not <laughs> that's not what, that's not knowing your audience that's is hbo well, yeah and that's not what hollywood's all about um, it would have to be like a Kirk Cameron movie for it to be like, hey, Brexit was good. And it's like produced by Sean Hannity or some shit. Well, see, the thing is, is this isn't Hollywood. It's not a Hollywood production. That's that's like my one sliver of hope that this isn't a trash fire, that this is this is a British production about a British topic. Well, yeah, I mean, it might be it might be interesting. Maybe it'll spread. I mean, I, I would guess that the average American does not know what Brexit and entails and what it's about yeah, or the people who you know yeah it. so that that's a positive uh the negative is that there's an automatic counter argument to the whole movie which is oh it's a movie yeah. so it's so it's just you know liberal hollywood working their magic <laughs> again same shit with like you know the post they're all like oh yeah well women actually are bad so well <laughs> just real quick about the actual trailer before we move on uh I'd say like close to 30-40% of the trailer is Benedict Cumberbatch in front of a whiteboard. Yeah. Like scribbling notes furiously on a whiteboard. <laughs> and then another like 20% is him like scrolling through social media and uh, like meeting a guy at a park. I mean, I like I like Cumberbatch, I guess. Yeah, he looks bald. He's got like a bald thing going Man, on. Man, he that that's a sight to see. Yeah. yeah so he's already the weirdest looking guy. <laughs> Okay. It's well, a it's an odd choice. Well, I don't really know. Yeah, this is news. If this is going to be good or yeah. not. 
I lean not. towards no. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what was the release date for it? I think it's Jan- January ish. Oh. So it's coming out pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to what we've been watching. Uh, I got a quick little thing to to mention. I watched uh, the Teenage Mutant Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1990 it's on amazon prime and it was my first time watching it you never watched never any of those movies as a nope, child nope uh but lee my girlfriend uh she told me this is the greatest movie of all time so and i was it, like well yes. i gotta watch it if so, it's the greatest film ever do made you agree um i wouldn't say it's the best movie ever made but it's certainly way better than i l- expected it to be yep. you know a 1990 live action turtle movie you know where they're like actually in these suits uh, performing it, it actually blew my mind because the like, costumes still like they look de- i mean they look corny as hell but like they still hold up honestly, and look kind of decent they didn't look as corny as i expected because the the helmets the masks mm-hmm. like they're animatronic and for the most part it matches obviously it's the, all of the dialogue is 80 yard Unless they had microphones inside the helmet, why would they I do that? It. Why would they do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it and it matches, and like each turtle has their own little personality and 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 takes and characteristics. So, Pizza. Yeah, I I thought it was great, and like the the one thing that really kind of blew my mind. Well, there there was a couple things, but the main thing is the fight choreography. Like these dudes are actually doing fight choreography in these turtle suits. It's like fucking amazing there's no cgi trickery in this movie at all Mm. it's all practical and for the most part it looks really great you know these were probably really bulky uncomfortable suits and they managed to do like really intricate fight choreography throughout there's like plenty of action scenes in this movie it's not Mm. like just one thing it's throughout constantly throughout the movie uh and then the other thing is like the uh uh, the the message for kids like this is a great movie for children. Yeah, live in a sewer. <laughs> Bef- befriend an old sage rat. Yeah, the the eat pizza. The the rat. Uh, I just I forgot the rat's name. What is it? <laughs> um, Splinter. Splinter. Yes. Yeah, oh, I think you're looking for the actor's name. No, yeah. Splinter. Every line that that rat says is like a genuinely uh, deep less like human lesson about like accepting your failures and overcoming your fears Yoda man and growing up and like becoming a a man yeah. or a or a turtle well i know <laughs> i know i'm trying to find out if the other um the other two live action uh teenage mutant ninja turtles were choreographed by the same guy but i know that at least for the first one they had a martial arts instructor actually come in there so that's why like the fighting is genuinely like really well choreographed because they have somebody who actually is an expert in the field come in there also it it made me wonder if the marvel movies maybe took a page out of this movie's book because the whole notion of like having a fight sequence and then like quipping like doing a joke between each like little punch that's something that all the marvel movies kind of do uh and this movie, it's like after every single punch, they have to like do a quick one-liner or a quick little joke or a side. <laughs> it's like like a rule, like every single yeah. punch, every single hit. So, so you've never seen the other two live actions? No, have I, you? I heard okay. I heard they're bad. Okay, so the second <laughs> one is actually I because I've seen these movies all fairly within the last couple years or so. 
um, because as a kid, I love these movies. The second one is not as good, but I still think it's a solid like kids movie. Um, there's some good choreography. The worst thing in that is the turtles dancing scene. They like go turtles, go turtles, go go turtles. <laughs> yeah, that's epic. That's bad. The third one is like one of the worst movies ever made. Turtles in Time, which it got renamed Turtles in Time after the uh, game for like the Sega or for. It was an arcade game. Yeah, the side-scroller fighting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it got re-released as Turtles in Time, but originally it was just TMNT 3. Um, and that movie is really bad. It's horribly offensive to Asian people because, oh you know, God. all Asian people know martial arts. And yeah. they go back in the times when everybody did martial arts in uh, Japan. So it is not good. Yeah. But it's, I just, they're, they're fun. I found it really impressive that there's – it's all practical, yep. you know, and it's dudes in turtle suits. So uh, it's on Amazon Prime right now if you want to check it out. I really recommend it. Uh, it has It's way better than it has any right being. It's one of those. <laughs> okay. uh, so, Drew, what have, what have you been um, watching? Yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out to a show that I had completely written off as garbage and is has made a turnaround, uh, and that is – I don't even think I've talked about it. Nailed it. BuzzFeed presents ne- oh, Netflix's yeah. Nailed It. Yeah. Um. So I think it's probably based on a YouTube series. Essentially, first of all, the name is already annoying. Uh, the, the premise is pretty annoying, uh, it, but it has potential. It's it's essentially you bring in three really bad cooks, and they're asked to recreate uh, like Pinterest style, like beautiful chef works of, oh, of I've, I've heard yeah, of pastries. Uh, and so it is, you know, it is funny seeing their their very best effort just failing miserably because that's just like not what comedy is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the show itself was extremely bad the first season. Like I'll say that. Yeah. Well, they also just did. I mean, you could tell that I I don't really care for Nick, uh, Nicole Byers her whole persona on that show, but uh, she was just so over the top in the beginning that like I just it was kind of obnoxious yeah. to watch. I still liked it. They also made an odd choice where in the first season, um, one of the things that they had to do was you had to make a cake sculpture of President Trump. And uh, oh, just to give you an idea, this is what it came out looking like for one of the Yikes. people's. I, that looks, yeah, that's better than they usually it's, look. It's really bad. But I mean, they all generally look pretty bad because they're taking what professional like bakers and people do and then making like having modern day people try and recreate it in an hour so it's going to end up horrible yeah exactly and i yeah the first season was extremely obnoxious nicole buyer was doing the most on that she was like she was going way over the top um her co-hosts weren't doing as much as they do now and she was not comfortable it was, this is her first big uh gig that she's had in a non-live show setting where there's an audience that she can bounce off of cuz i think that she is she's a treasure like on podcasts she's unbelievable she usually goes on if any podcast you listen to does a live show in LA she is a guest because she is a natural in front of an audience mm-hmm. um and she and they released this new holiday uh bunch of episodes and she is finally like living up to her potential she's doing exactly what the show wanted um she her jokes are there which the problem was she was like she was all over the place and there were no jokes and she's she has chemistry with the co-host now uh this french wherever this german i guess right uh yeah jacques torres yes this this old german uh 
very nice old man chef with like really fake teeth. Yeah, well, he definitely <laughs> he lost a ton of weight and then got fake teeth in between yeah. seasons two and yeah, then the yeah. holidays season three. And he's just he's super game. He's like super there for it. And then Nicole brings all the jokes. They've made a bit out of like their segment producer at this point. Like it feels like it's a show that like they made tweaks and they all worked. I'm not saying that this is like, like must watch. It's not, of course it's not. No, but it's good casual Netflix watching. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I always say like, if I'm doing homework, I feel bad if I'm watching something that's really good. Yeah. Like I, I feel guilty. Um, and I'd start, you know, I shame myself. I just, I start like, you know, wh- whip the razor out, you know? Um, uh, so- <laughs> yeah. So, so shaved. you tried to watch Roma while doing an essay <laughs> and that was a bad idea. You're like, I um, don't know what's happening, but it's just, it's vastly improved for what it is, which is a very casual, like comedy baking show. So it's the, the cap on the show is there. Like there's a limit, but it's reaching it. It's well, so much better now. Well, man. Talk, so, talk a little bit about some of the guest judges. No, well, there's I, some good names. In I was going to say that one thing that was a vast improvement on the latest season was they actually got good guest hosts to come in. Cause otherwise they, it was nobody. Kind of brought in th- like a third person who were like, "Oh, this guy like he owns a bakery in Baltimore, and they yeah, have no personality yeah. whatsoever." Or, yeah, or it would be someone with like a, a blog, but and it'd be like, "I don't care." The best episode is an episode in the holidays uh, where they bring in Jason Hanong Manzukis, yeah, yeah. and he is incredible. Like because he is able to match not only match but surpass uh nicole byer's zaniness so like they just bounce off of each other constantly (laughs) and they keep trying to do this bit because it's a new year's eve uh like special episode so there's like we're doing this live on new year's eve we're counting down right now the clock it's 2019 and there's like oh no yeah and he keeps doing this thing where he's just like he'll stay something that's like super like out of nowhere like kind of crude and then just be like we'll be right back after these messages but it's on netflix so it just keeps going it's just some classic manzuka stuff yeah he yeah so they bring in him there's uh john gabris comes in for an episode i'm yep. very happy for him him and nicole are very good friends uh the way i i familiarize myself with her is through like his podcast high and mighty she's unbelievably funny on uh so they have good chemistry justin willman from magic for humans which we talked about mm-hmm. is on there He's funny. It, basically, you know, they they shoot in L.A. like every show does, and she is entrenched in the L.A. comedy scene. So it's all her friends. Like they, she just brings her friends. Uh, on. Lauren Lapkus. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's people. It's people that if you listen to comedy podcasts, you'd yeah. be like, oh fuck, okay. I was thinking about Manzukas. He is one of those guys that has like the uh, the Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours of improv comedy. Yeah, just from podcasting. <laughs> yeah, he's he's done so much. Him and like Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's I mean he's been around for fucking. Ever. He's an interesting character. He's he's been in the scene for like twenty years. He's written. Uh, he wrote uh, that Amy Poehler, Will Ferrell, uh, oh, Gam- the house. He wrote mm-hmm. that. He yeah. he yeah. He's written like these big studio comedies that suck. He's and, in John Wick three. Um, yeah. He's he's in. He's always a side character. He wrote Ride Along. <laughs> Did oh, you know boy. that? Nope, I didn't yeah. know that. So he oh, writes. So he he probably makes solid money oh, like, selling these scripts. He's a millionaire, <laughs> like easily, and he's just I don't know. I I think he's an interesting guy. That's that's a tangent for another day. Um, so I guys, I did it. I, I watched Mission dun, Impossible. Done. 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 Done.
So um. So you guys are wait. So you watched the the nineteen ninety uh two ninety what is it the original? <laughs> no, I watched finally like twenty five years Protocol, later. Rogue, Rogue Nation. What's the new one even? Fallout. Fallout. Just Jesus. The Christ. fallout of all your good intentions. So uh, the only other one that I had seen is the previous one, Rogue Nation. Yeah. Well, it 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 continues the storyline. That, that's the only other one that I would say is like necessary, totally necessary, because yeah, like, it's Macquarie. Yeah, the other ones I'm sure would be, you know, good knowledge to have, but you need to know because this carries on the same storyline well, from you, the previous did movie. Did you watch um, the third one? No, the J.J. Abrams one. No, I haven't seen a single other one, dude. Because that seen the one, two. that one, a lot of people. There's a faction of Mission Impossible fans who pick that one as their favorite because that one is it, it's a J.J. movie, so it's like super fast paced. Like incredible action, and it's got probably the best villain in Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it introduces the wife character, yeah, Michelle Monaghan, yeah. She so yeah. that's like a dangling plot thread that gets, uh, yeah, wrapped up in Fallout. Yeah, uh, I mean, I yeah, but they, I mean, they do you know tie up all the loose ends. So like, even if you're coming in raw, you can kind of get what's happening. This movie, I always come in raw. Yeah. <laughs> So I really like this movie. Obviously, you guys really love this movie. Uh, there's not a much that you can cr- kind of critique about it. It's a, it's a very, very well-done action movie. Unbelievably directed. The highlights are always the action scenes in this movie. Like, they're just, they're unbelievable. They can't be beat, particularly the end. It crescendos. It's one of those movies that does something that is really, really difficult, which is, it like, for about 30 minutes, you're at the edge of your seat. That's hard. that's so hard, man. Yeah, I think that like this and pretty much Mad Max Fury Road are the only real action movies that I can think of where I was literally just like gripping my seat watching. Yeah, it. and it, it just keeps the crescendo going. And right, every time you think that it, the action's over, it just like keeps going for another to like twenty minutes. Well, when you think about how ballsy it was that they put in an IMAX Halo jump, like from the get-go of the movie and then it gets better from there like that yeah. is how you that is like having some serious balls to just yeah. be like yeah we're gonna do this this isn't even the best part just wait <laughs> yeah this movie is absurd uh like all these movies it's just off the walls like loony insane here's here's the the comp i would make um i think that this movie is like if Michael Bay teamed up with Chris Nolan and they both kind of brought out the best in each other to mm. make to make like a James Bond movie. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it has all the insanely like the stupid action stuff that's secretly really good that Michael Bay does. Because he does a lot of stuff that is like truly awesome to watch if you don't think about it. He does it. well choreographed stuff that's poorly directed. Yeah. And he does <laughs> he does actions like like he does the things that you just kind of have to put in a movie even if like if you think you're an intellectual you'd leave it out like chris nolan might leave out some of these absurd action sequences well i think i think bay doesn't even have the choreography though what bay does is like i'm talking like old bay i'm talking like old old like 1990s but but bay he, he got his work uh with music videos like he knows how to work the camera so it's not he makes it look good by what he does working the camera but the the stuff that's in front of the camera isn't necessarily great i'm I'm more talking about just the feel of the movie because it has that dumb good feel to it that a good michael bay movie it feels dumb but it feels great and it felt like that there were times where it felt really stupid but i didn't really care um and then as far as christopher nolan goes 
there's a lot of explaining in this movie. It's yeah. it's not like too much or anything, but the movie I would most compare this to is almost Inception. Because while it does have really well done action just like Inception does, a lot of it hinges on these long dialogue scenes that somehow work where it's like just 10 minutes of people arguing over who is winning right now. Who's got the balls? It's just it's just three balls. It, it's just scenes where like it's almost like a basketball game where the lead changes like every five seconds. Every minute someone else is winning the movie. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like and it'll just be dialogue scenes where they're like, Well, I'm winning the movie because of this right now, and I actually have the upper hand because I have you like this, and they're like, Oh, well, and then they take a mask off. Exactly. And then it's you're just, like, fuck. Yeah, and it, it involves a lot of inception type stuff like that, like the deception of the audience and then also the deception of characters at the same time. Um the idea of kind of incepting ideas into people's brains via acting like someone else is very and also uh dreams are in the movie yeah, yeah I, um, I love this movie so i much. so do i mean even just like now bringing back certain memories of this movie it reminds me why this is one of my favorite movies of the year just because i feel like it is kind of it has that aspect to it where it the exposition is elevated because you can't really trust anybody that's going on here. And this movie makes an interesting turn where you're like, is Tom Cruise like breaking bad right now? Like is like, what's Ethan hunt? What are his motives right now in this whole thing? Because he has this whole, like his ex wife's character is involved in this and you don't really know where his true motivations lie. Yeah. Which I think really elevate the story. I would almost compare the camera work and this may sound a little bit blasphemous, but almost to something like an adventure movie in the way that it feels so fluid at times whenever you're watching scenes. Precise. Yeah. yeah and very, that's... very precise. You can tell that they probably spent months and months, if not like a full like year, just storyboarding every yeah, single yeah. aspect of this and, movie. Yeah, out. that's another uh, Nolan comp that I wanted to bring up is it's it's meticulous, this yeah. movie. Like, the way it is filmed is just... They're, like, probably... I not, I couldn't count on my hands the amount of shots that I was like, how yeah. how it even could do you, you do that? Do you have a favorite, like, set piece? Because um, you, you have your pick of the litter. Like, you got your Halo jump, you got your bathroom fight, you got your Paris motorcycle chase. You have their uh, rooftop chase. Yeah, the 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 foot chase, uh, and then of course the helicopter, the helicopter leading into the brawl. Well, okay, that's here's why this is my favorite because it has that cartoonish thing of it just keeps going, and and, and while while it's happening, you're like, holy sh! Like, how is this still happening? Yeah. Like, you think it's over, and then they go down that you know the little uh, cliff, yeah, and the helicopters, and then the one hook gets caught, <laughs> and it's so stupid. But the whole time you're like, yeah, totally. This this happens every day in the world, <laughs> and it's crazy that we don't make more movies about this. I, I want Cavill <laughs> to come back alive. Okay, here's with a hook sticking out of his face. <laughs> That was an amazing death. Yeah. The, the hook, yeah. It was perfect because you needed a crazy death after yeah. it because that was the most absurd <laughs> sequence of all time. Like the classic fight by a cliffside where the thing that they're fighting over is inching toward the cliff the whole time. It's all so absurd. Um, literally, the only thing that I would say that I might disagree with you guys on is I don't like Cavill even in, even in this movie. I don't, I, think, I don't think that he's bad. He doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. But... He he's been so bland before. Like this yeah. movie actually gave him some sort of like life. Well, I think that this is the classic case of a great director bringing out a 
great performance in somebody. Even if they're not a great actor, if you are that good of a director, you can bring it out yeah. of somebody. And I think that that's the case with Cable. Like, I, yeah, I don't think he did a bad job, but I think replace him with almost any actor and it would be better. Also, he's, you know, he's acting alongside Tom Cruise, who, like I always say, he's 110% doing it all the time. It's like you can't match that. It's like the I always think of the moment on the plane right before they jump out they're having that little discussion mm-hmm. about whatever it is and it's like you can see in Ke- in Cable's eyes that he's 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 acting he's saying lines but Tom Cruise is like you're looking at him he's like this is a man who is about he to jump out of a fucking plane he believes that he is Ethan plane. Hunt yeah. like, he believes he, that he is that character he's on a mission and it's impossible <laughs> it's i um i Actually, I, I still love the casting of Henry Cavill because I think that he has the perfect aspect for that character where he is huge. Like, he is a huge force of nature. That like, physical, he's fucking Superman. Yeah. He has that physicality to him, but he's also very, I mean, he's an attractive man. So he has, like, this kind of aspect where you want to kind of trust him. That's stash. And that's stash, Ugh, man. Nobody weird. else can grow a mustache like that. I've tried. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, That's the real Mission Impossible here. <laughs> it's the it's a ten yeah. million dollar mustache. <laughs> you do need a big boy for that role for sure. There are just some other people that I think. Like I, if you put like Tom Hardy in that role, I, I was thinking that was literally the first person on the top of my really? head. Tom, I think Tom Hardy would have just destroyed that role. Um, I just I'm ready for him Henry Cavill to go away. I'm ready for him to just leave me. Well, alone. he probably won't have much of a career after this whole physical peak of his wears out because he's yeah. not a good enough actor to yeah, carry and on he's, like older performances. He's already balding. He already kind of looks. If you look certain takes, he looks a little weird. Um, he has weird teeth and stuff. I just think in like two years' time, I don't know where he's gonna be because he, he's not gonna rely on any chops that he has. I don't think he has any. Um, one one last thing about Fallout. What did you think of like the? Uh, well, I guess this is kind of two questions. First, did you buy into Ethan Hunt as a character? Did you care about his journey in the movie? Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, partially due to Tom Cruise, partially because it was a well-written emotional arc. Because Ethan Hunt is like, he's a pretty classical standard just hero. Like he is just he just wants to do good and, and save people. And I think that we live in a, in a world where like... Uh, it, it, things are just starting to to angle more towards the anti-hero side of things and we don't have like that guy who just wants to do good yeah, yeah. um and i think i i honestly think that tom cruise like embodies that perfectly because he is like he is so dedicated to his craft uh that it just mirrors ethan hunt as a guy who like he just wants to save yeah, the world it, it feels pretty personal i enjoyed michelle monaghan a lot uh, for the little yeah. little time she she, has. she looks just like his new love interest yeah, which is really yeah. funny yeah um but yeah i liked when she came in and she was just like casually diffusing a bomb with ving rames <laughs> they also they give each other that look where they're like well we're about to die this is it yeah go be with your husband and then the other question is what did you think of the actual plotting because the the approach that tom cruise and mccory have is that the first thing they figure out is what crazy stunt Tom is going to do. So Tom Cruise comes in and he's like, I'm going to learn how I'm going to learn how to pilot a helicopter. Like I'm, that's what I'm going to do for this next movie. I'm going to learn how to pilot a helicopter and we're going to do a helicopter thing. And they figure out these crazy action sequences and then 
they figure out the story later. And sometimes they figure out the story as they're shooting the movie. So the fact that, like, there is a plot at all yeah. is crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I that's the highlight of the movie is these action sequences. They're unbelievable. It's it's like the level of control you get in an animated movie, which we're going we're gonna to talk about yeah. later. You get more control in those movies because you can put the quote-unquote camera wherever you feel, um, and there's no danger involved with any stunt. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's the precision of those is incredible. The plot is good enough that it's... You know, it's not like a ten or anything. Um, well, it's it's really convoluted. That's it's the thing. really complicated. Well, that's that's kind of the Nolan part yeah. that I was talking about. It's just all these probably four different scenes where it just is like, it's 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 like Inception. It's two different sides trying to uh, plan twenty steps ahead of each other, and you think that the one side is has the upper hand, and then they don't, and then it turns out they actually do, and they're like, actually, we knew you were going to do that, yeah. so we did this, and they're like, oh, we knew that you were going to do that in response to us, so we did this in anticipation of you doing that, and, <laughs> and it's just, it kind of talks itself in circles a couple times, but it didn't bother me too much. Inception doesn't bother me too right. much because. Uh, that's that's not the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. And I think that what elevates it from being just a jumbled mess is, like you said, that there is an actual uh, emotional journey that does happen there. There is some serious pathos to the Ethan Hunt character. And I think that that's what elevates it from just being a good action movie to just being a really, really good movie. Yeah, and also the yeah the recurrence, bringing Lane back was a good way to... Yeah. to and Solomon Lane, I mean, shout out to Sean Harris. He is, he's, he is incredible. Yeah. He is so menacing he's crusty he, he famously cr- only wanted to do rogue nation and that that movie ending with him in a glass case is like a perfect testament as to what Macquarie basically did to him he's like oh you you only wanted to do one movie you thought you were gonna die at the end of this i'm just putting you in a glass box because <laughs> we're, we're bringing you back baby <laughs> yeah. yeah uh the only other thing i i wanted to say is that this movie, like, okay, all of these Mission Impossible movies, we start to kind of peel back the layers of Ethan Hunt as a character because, you know, the, at the surface, there's not much there. But th- this being the sixth movie, we're st- we with each one, we start to get a little bit more into, like, who this guy really is. I think what this movie does best is that, you know, we start off right off the bat where he fucks up he loses the plutonium because he wants to save his friend and like the whole character the whole plot just hinges on that idea of like he can't just because he wanted to save this one person he endangered the whole world yeah, and they reference that notion a lot that that's his fatal flaws yeah. he cares too much about people uh and that's a good way to set it up it gives you a right off the bat he fucked up and it's a it's not just as if the end of the whole world wasn't enough Mm -hmm. like he's also like it's my fault too yeah (laughs) which by the way the the fake out the wolf blitzer fake out one of the best moments in movies this year this movie had some of the best highs of any movie Dude, i've seen this that, year by far that, that fake out i was and that's just how the movie starts <laughs> yeah. it just starts there that i love that before you even get the mission impossible fallout like yeah, yeah. the title screen did, did you so yeah you guys are getting my inception comp at this point right yeah. Yeah. all these scenes where someone thinks they're somewhere and they're not there mm-hmm. like it's there's so many similarities it blew my mind uh yeah, I really, really, really like this movie. Like, I, there's not too much to fault it on. It was very gripping throughout. It didn't lose me at any point, it, even if it was a little convoluted, a little dumb. Like, it was dumb in the right ways. 
uh, and it was smart as well. So it it counterbalanced every issue it had with something that was even better. Hell Worth yeah. watching. How couldn't you like it? Um, my girlfriend was trying to fall asleep during it, and she <laughs> she usually it's like no problem, and she just like had to keep watching. Yeah, that's the best compliment that you can give this movie <laughs> is that you will not be able to fall yeah. asleep. Yeah. Allison it. gives it two eyes out of two. <laughs> Great. Um. So yeah, yeah, cool. All right, what have um, you been watching, Hunter? Very, very briefly, I just wanted to kind of brush through these. I finished watching Homecoming. Um, yeah, Julie Roberts, is, Sam Asmill. This Amazon is Prime. one of the best shows of the year. Please go watch the show. This, I episode eight is Dude. like that is masterful. That might be the best episode of television of the year uh, for me, just because there's this kind of camera aspect ratio trick that they instill in the very first episode and you're not really sure what entirely is the purpose of it it's almost like instead of a four by three it's almost like a three by four it's like slightly wider or t- or, than a well it, than a cell phone screen it's a vertical i think screen. it's just a square i think it's just a one maybe it's just because i'm just watching it on yeah. like a wide screen i'm pretty so sure it it's just a one one yeah but anyways it just has it the use of these black bars and then how that all comes together is just genius in the best possible way. Um, the, and where everything, the show, everything leading up to that moment, yeah. like the editing work and just where our two characters are in that sequence, it's like I have that's so fucking. Good. I do have some faults with this show, but they are very spoiler heavy. Drew, I you have to watch this show. This is gonna be like it's gonna be in my top five. I think it's gonna be in your top five too, Ernest. So. I please watch the show. It's amazing. Um, I want to get more into spoilers whenever we've all actually seen the show, but it's give give a couple more spo- spoiler free thoughts though. Um, well, I do. I love the, the way that. Oh, I mean, the performances are incredible. Like, there's no doubt. I mean, both um, Julia Roberts and um, the lead uh, male, uh, her lead patient in the. Um, show both got nominated for golden globes very very deservedly stefan james yeah stefan james there we go um they i love the way that the show ends because i know that they are getting a season two but it ends on a very uh wrapping things up kind of a note Mm -hmm. but there are so many like tentacles of threads that are still yeah. there. There's, there's still the, so much meat on the bones that yeah. I just can't. I want to dive more into what this Geist company well, is. Exactly the larger and, world. Yeah, I want to get yeah. more into the lore. Um, I'm hoping that's not going to take a step down as far as quality goes because this, especially at the beginning, it starts off as a very very small story. So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes from here. Whenever it kind of opens itself up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I I. Oof. This show, it's so well directed. I can't say enough about Sam Esmail's direction. Those and top the fact down that he, shots. The fact that he directs every episode, it's not like whenever you have a great filmmaker come in there and they direct a couple episodes and they step back and maybe they'll come back for a finale or something. Like he is there every step of the way. And this show just it creates this level of eeriness and tension in scenes that wouldn't otherwise have tension which is a credit to not only the direction but also the music in the show is fantastic you're watching what just looks like a normal conversation between two people and then there's just these like high-pitched violins happening it just it unsettles you at your core and you just know you know that something is awry and you just can't really put your finger on what it is it really um it, it it caught me off guard in the best possible way where none of the turn the twists and turns of the shows takes uh they never come out of left field or anything um 
yeah, I, oof. I'm like, it leads me into like certain scenes, but I don't want to spoil anything for you, Drew, because I want you to have the same experience I did while watching it. It's a short watch. It's it's, it's eight half hour episodes. Yeah, and I mean they're all they range between twenty six. Oh no, sorry, ten. 10, 10, 10 uh, half hour episodes. Between 26 and like 33, 34 minutes. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, the uh, I think I mentioned this before when I talked about it, but the uh, the end of every episode is perfect because it it ends, obviously, like with streaming, the next episode is ready to kick off. If you don't press a button, it just starts. But it ends with just enough time to like leave you sitting there staring at a shot with credits over it yeah it just sits on the last shot of the show and every single shot is like perfectly curated to just leave you like sitting there thinking about what you just saw you're not like ready to click the next episode you're like sitting there thinking like wow this show is great (laughs) (laughs) all right all right Um, i'll fucking watch it man yeah watch the show um also very very briefly um i watched Roma. I know that we're going to get more into it spoilers next week, but I just want to say it is great, just like everybody else in the world has said. Um this lot is, of a uh, lot of number one rankings on yeah, some year end lists. I'm not sure where exactly it's gonna fall in my year end list. There's no doubt this is the best directed movie of the year. Like it's not even a conversation, to be honest. Like you just watch it and from the first thirty minutes you're like Okay, yeah, Quaron's going for a best director right now. Um, it's very, very meticulous in the way that it is shot, um, almost to the point where the first act of this movie, it moves, the pacing is very, very slow. Um, I didn't necessarily mind it, but I feel like it's going to turn off a lot of people who are just casually turning this on Netflix because it's at the front page of Netflix. Um because it moves there's a whole shot and it's a beautiful gorgeous shot i mean this is all monochrome um where it's just two minutes of like a camera on a dolly just like rotating around this room and you just see uh the main character cleo just turning on and off lights and you're like i mean it's beautifully shot but it's very very slow and then it really gets going second act and the third act third act really just it's a serious punch in the gut um i have to give a shout out to the acting the entire cast is amazing but specifically to uh yalitsia uh apar aparicio um who plays cleo the lead actress she is incredible she gives one of the best performances of the year because she's brand new yeah it's like her first out of nowhere um but uh she because Quaron uses these long, long takes and in a completely different vein than Mission Impossible Fallout while they use long takes, this is just showcasing these actors all working together. There will be a seven to nine minute long take of just people talking. It feels very theatrical in a way. It feels like I was watching a play where it's not just you have to worry about these people and oh like can they do their line rings or something. You have to worry about their whole dynamic that they have with each other, how they work off of each other. Um I I can't wait for you guys yeah, to watch so this, this movie because it's this is Quaron's passion project that he said before. He wrote, directed edited he was Jeez. he was the dp he was the man holding the camera on these yeah. shots like he did it all Alfonso. and he deserves all the recognition in the world i'm i 
kind of curious. I don't want to give my full thoughts on it, on where I think it's going to end on my list without you guys seeing it, just because I don't want to take anything yeah, away from so your this, experience. This is going to be our, our big review uh, next week for our last show of the year. And I I mean, I, I'm excited for it. Obviously, it's, it's Corone coming back after winning Best Director for Gravity. And obviously, he's made children of men which is like one of the greatest one of the films. best films of the 21st century yeah one yeah. of the best movies of all time and he's a fucking talent so. Mama Tambien. yeah i actually i want to i want to rewatch that um hopefully i'll get a chance to because i barely remember that movie oh, that's, I, that's, that's an amazing it's movie. 2001 yeah. i saw it a, you know way back ago so it was almost uh while watching this is almost just seems like uh <laughs> him like his kind of meta commentary to guillermo he's just like oh yeah guillermo you're just gonna take like another little spanish fairy tale well fuck you guillermo i'm just gonna <laughs> outdo you on all my directing skills well yeah it's Cor- my time now Coron del toro and and uh Inaritu are like the mexican trio yeah. and they're all like really good friends with each yeah. other too so it's it's like the uh it's the mexican equivalent of the spielberg lucas um, uh, I'm blanking on the third person. Well, uh, De Palma was De Palma. in there. Yeah, uh, it was. It was like Coppola. a whole like the Hollywood quadruplet yeah. that they had. This is like the Mexican version of it. Hell yeah. Um, no, this is it's unapologetically uh, Hispanic in the best possible way. Dope. Everybody in this movie is actually Mexican born, and it is incredible. Cool. All right, so that's Roma. Uh, we'll give you a full review of that next week, and now we're gonna take a break. Before we talk Spider-Man. So we'll be right back. Don't you see that I ain't ready? But I'm so good with the focus. I'm so good with the focus. Can't you see my eyes hang steady? I'm just booling cause you noticed. I'm just drooling. John Lark. John Lark. Ethan Hunt is at it again. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. He chose to go out in the weirdest way. Like, dude, you could have... You could have exited this franchise in so many different you know ways. You know what we didn't even talk about whenever we, I think we talked about it uh, back uh, whenever we first talked about it. But uh, man, dude, just another L for fucking um, what? for uh, Hawkeye. I almost said Ethan Hunt. Oh, <laughs> Renner? for Hawkeye. Yeah, for Runner. Oh, because he's just gone. Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yeah they just didn't even. <laughs> yeah. They brought back the villain and did not bring back to, him. To be replaced by Henry Cavill is a truly. <laughs> It's only him and Brendan Ruth. They're the only two who know what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> well, Renner, he... I don't think he even wanted to be in, in Fallout. He was like, dude, I, I'm he was flipping like, houses. He was like, I'm going to be tied up. I, I, there's this big Infinity War movie coming out. I can't tie up my contract for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he got the call and he was like, shit. He got fucked. Well, I guess I'll be in tag instead. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yikes. Yeah, that was his big get. Um. One other thing about about the movie I forgot to mention is particularly you guys are talking about the bathroom scene, the bathroom fight scene. This movie had uh, Jackie Chan style fight scenes yeah. Yeah. in a lot of it. They're the big, huge like helicopter shit. There's all that. 
And then that whole bathroom scene was a Jackie Chan scene, straight up. It had all the elements of it that you would expect. It had they didn't cut on the action. They let you see the hits, and they just had really good stunt work going and on. And no music. Yeah, good stuntman and Tom Cruise <laughs> just being in it. Yeah. Uh, great music. Uh, the improvisational part of people just using items around them. Well, there's no music in that scene. It's it's just that's my favorite sound, song. It's just the sound design of the hits because like every time someone gets punched, you feel it. That was Simon and Garfunkel, the, the sound <laughs> of silence. Um, but yeah, the, the the aspect of people just grabbing whatever item is next to them and then using yeah. it in a really funny the way. Pipe. Yeah, and then the, uh. the briefcase and the laptop and the all of it. That's all so Jackie Chan. Yeah, um, and it also it introduces Cable as like uh, a physical superior to. Uh, Cruise, yeah, because yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise gets his ass fucking kicked in that movie, <laughs> yeah, in that scene. Um, all right, well, enough about our daddy Cruise and his reliance on Cruise, alien Cruise for Oscar host, uh, alien antibody uh, superpowers or whatever he uses to juice, uh, juice the Cruise. Let's get into Spider Man into the Spider Verse. The Spider-Verse. Uh, so this movie is directed by like three people. Yep. That, that happens by. with a lot of animated and it's movies. Not, it's not directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, which a lot of people have been. Um, I don't know. I think I think a lot of the uh, the promotion, not necessarily promotion, but like well, the coverage of this movie has the, been misleading. Two of the three directors have made nothing before. And then the other guy, Peter Ramsey, um, the only other movie that he's directed was Rise of the Guardians. Hey. So they don't really have a lot. They're marketing it as a Lord Miller movie. And I mean, they did still, they wrote the script for this movie. Yeah, well, so only they have actually Phil Lord. Chris just Mi- Phil Lord. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is strange. Chris, Chris Miller a, was a producer. On oh, it. really? Okay, that's, yeah, cause, well, because the movie did have the Lord Miller production tag mm-hmm. on it, which is a big, I mean, that was the sell for me personally. I was like, I don't know, Marvel, like a Marvel cartoon, we just got Homecoming, and then I saw Lord Miller, and I was like, oh, it's okay. Like, there's no way it'll be bad. They don't make anything yeah. that's bad. Also, um, I think most kind of general moviegoers don't understand the differentiation between like the Disney Marvel stuff and the non-Disney Marvel stuff. So to your average moviegoer, Marvel's Marvel. But this movie is interesting because it's not it's not made by Disney. Like Disney has been hitting these really constant like hit after hit after hit. Like you know that when you're getting an, an MCU Marvel movie, Disney movie, you're gonna get something that's that works that's good that's pleasing it's gonna be a hit like they they've they nail it every time this is from sony sony famously fucked up spider-man with the andrew garfield fiasco and now this year they put out venom which was not great not great no and now (laughs) and now they're finalizing out their 2018 with this animated spider-man movie which by all counts like should have been another tick in the box of superhero fatigue and the bloated slate of like superhero movie after superhero movie and like how we're getting 10 of them a year. Um, Well, one thing I wanted to also say is not only just taking out the production studio on it, but just as far as animated features, Marvel versus DC, DC has dominated animated movies. Like that is DC's live action movies have been lackluster at best. And, but their animated movies have been really, really solid. Batman Under the Red Hood is one of the best Batman stories. That was ever a, told. that was a different era, though. 
That was 2012. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's oh, okay. not. No, I mean, I'm not going back to like. Um, to like Mask some of the, of the really phantasm. old, yeah, Mass of the Phantasm. Yeah. Even the Killing Joke um, had its problems, but that was a really solid Batman movie as like an R-rated animated movie. Um, so DC has really had the leg up whenever it comes mm. to the animated movies. So, so we get this uh, Spider-Man movie into the Spider Verse. Uh, don't want to spoil too much, but in the promotional material, you kind of get the gist. It's about Miles Morales, who is having his own origin story of sorts, uh, and then he intersects with other... <laughs> spider people. S- yeah, spider people who have had their own origin stories of sorts. And so the feel I was expecting from this movie, right off the bat, is Lego movie feel. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller made that movie. It's an unbelievably good animated movie, if you haven't seen it. Uh, I was expecting interesting animation style. Definitely got that. Uh, I was expecting uh, kind of off-the-wall humor um, and then a heartfelt story. We got off-the-wall humor, but this movie was way more heartfelt than I thought it would be. It's also, I'd say that it's closer to the Jump Street movies than it is to Lego movie. And, like, its actual tone and its fully meta-commentary. It's making meta-commentary while still being a very faithful and worthwhile entry into right. the whole catalog but it's not as as over the line meta well, as jump street yeah that's yeah. that's why phil lord is one of my favorite writers period is because he can he has the universal gift of that like steven hillenberg had where he could write a kid's product and didn't rely on anything raunchy you know rarely raunchy mm-hmm. and it's still a great movie and he can use raunchiness like he did in the jump streets but this movie could be watched by anyone and I think enjoyed. Uh, it, it was surprisingly heavy for a kid's movie. It brought plenty of the laughs, but it had a very strong emotional arc, uh, like tragedy, comedy. This movie kind of had everything in it yeah. that you would want out of any movie. So <laughs> any wh- movie. What did what did you guys think of it? I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I I had a great time. It's it's relentlessly funny. Like I was. I think. This may be the movie that made me laugh the most wow. out of any movie this year. It's hilarious. Um, I mean, I it, what else hasn't been said about the animation style? Like, yeah. it's. I really think that this movie. Uh, I, I I mean, I'm trying to think back to what Lego Movie did, but I think this movie sets a whole new bar for animation. Like, if hand drawn animation is truly dead. This should be the new standard. Like this should be what people are striving to do because this it not only brings to life what a comic book looks like and what different uh, uh, drawing and uh, art styles of comic books have been done under like the spider umbrella, um, but it also it, it it just has like this quality that is is completely unique to animated movies because. The stuff that you see here is it's shit that could only be done in a, in a movie like this. Like you wouldn't yeah. see this in a movie that's trying to be photorealistic, that's trying to be gritty or, you know, overly serious or any of the, the things that Disney puts out with with Marvel and, and their style. Um, this movie is, is just it's colorful. It's inventive. There's so many sequences where I was just. My jaw was just dropped at what I was looking at in terms of like the visual quality of it. Um, I I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think 
there are a couple of big well i don't know if they're huge nitpicks but there are things that like left me wanting a little bit more um i'm trying to think of like things to say without spoiling yeah um i could have used maybe a little bit more just weirdness like this you movie want more gets, Spider-Man noir. <laughs> this movie gets bizarre, but I kind of wanted it to go a little bit more out there. And as as crazy as it is, um, it, I I think I, I would have liked a little more. But I mean, that being said, the movie does a great job of keeping the Miles Morales story central and keeping you invested in that character and his journey. While there's this all these other crazy things happening on the sidelines that don't detract from that story. So I think that's a great testament. And then the other thing with, which isn't that big of a deal is the music. Uh, There's a lot of like pop music in this, a lot of like hip hop uh, music. And some of it didn't quite work for me. It came off as like Sony, like they got to sell the movie with a cool hip young soundtrack. What's your Um, thoughts on a sunflower? Uh, Post Malone, Sway Lee. It's a, uh, it's a Sway Lee song with Post Malone. I don't it's a know, Sway man. I, I think it works for the story and for like what it means to Miles because he kind of uses it to kind of like unwind mm. and calm down. But uh, it was it, it was fine. It was fine. It's, it's not a huge complaint, but it, it kind of like it distracted me a little bit. The amount of of like pop songs that are in this movie. Okay. Uh, that song in particular, I really didn't bother me at all because, you know, we can be like, oh, well, I, I don't like that song. But guess what high school kids listen to? Right. There's only one thing. It's, they a, listen it's, to. A, it's a, good, a PG movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good hook. It's a good little melody. I like the little melody that he like sings to himself. Yeah. yeah. The best part about that was like he doesn't even doing that kind of thing that we all do whenever we listen to songs with a good melody and we don't really know the words. He's like, yeah. like everybody does that in their own head. So yeah. It's like, uh, Very good grounding. I actually really like that song a lot because I love Sway Lee. So oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I dug it. I, the, I mean, the soundtrack was essentially a kid's version of the Black Panther soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, like, good comparison. Like yeah. the Black Panther soundtrack is really good, it's but more adult. But uh, yeah, and a lot of it outside of the movie, I don't think sounds great. And I think this is the same. I wouldn't listen to a lot of these songs like outside of the movie setting, but in the movie, I enjoyed what they did. Um, the animation, unbelievable. Uh, I think that your main critique i kind of agree with just in terms of because of the the standard set by phil lord uh i thought it would get a little zanier i thought we would spend time more with the ensemble of spider people than we did we didn't spend much time with them at all um but like you said they that was a choice that they made and they made the choice to focus more on miles's emotional character arc and his origin story and it's not like that was like fell flat like that totally worked so it's like Oh, I was missing this, but instead I got this other thing, which is also amazing. So why am you know why complain that much about it? Right, and also you know you got to understand that the the average moviegoer doesn't know who Miles Morales is. Like this is the introduction yeah. to Miles I, I for most was. people. Um, so they had to do uh, a good job at like introducing this new character, and I I think they they absolutely nailed it. You know this. The whole point of this movie is to show that Peter Parker isn't uh, exclusively Spider. Like mm. Spider Man isn't exclusively Peter Parker, and Spider Man has taken on this whole new. He's 
probably the most popular superhero ever, aside from like Batman, maybe. Uh, And this movie goes through great lengths to show through Miles's journey that Spider-Man can be anybody. And um, yeah, to that point, I one little thing, um, how the movie uh, ends is Miles kind of giving this monologue. Um, I just wanted to tell this little story. He gives this little monologue where he's just like, anybody can wear the mask. Anybody can be Spider-Man. I was walking out of my theater and I was already getting teared up. Um, and walking out of the theater and there was this little, uh, black child, probably like five, six, seven, like really small kid. And I'm walking out and I just hear him behind me going like, mommy, mommy, did you hear? He said, anyone can wear the mask. Anybody can do it. I started bawling. Like, I'm glad that I was in front of them so they couldn't see me. I just started sobbing because I was like, you can be Spider-Man, little kid. You can be anything you want. Um, (laughs) I absolutely love this movie. I love pretty much every aspect. This is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. I just, I think that it had the perfect level of campiness to it where it was campy and um, zany, but it never detracted from having a real emotional journey between uh, Miles Morales and Peter B. Parker. Mm the casting in this movie is just so, oh it's, off it's the walls. some of the best casting in any movie of the year yeah it's insane um, <laughs> i mean shameek moore who plays miles morales is fantastic but also you got jake johnson who where the fuck has he been lately yeah. get him in more stuff he's awesome Haley steinfeld as a spider woman spider gwen she was great leave schreiber leave schreiber is kingpin mahershala ali oscar winner yeah also, another Oscar winner, Nick Cage as Spider-Man yeah. Noir. <laughs> just going I wanted around. more from him. Oh, uh, I loved him. I could use, like, I just want, like, a short of him. Yeah. Just, like, a 20-minute short of him. Just, like, in the 1930s, monochrome, just, like, yeah. uh, killing Nazis. Brian There's... Tyree Henry, who's having a hell of a year between Atlanta, Widows, and the upcoming uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, yeah. Our guy, John Mulaney as spider Dude, yeah, dude. And every bit with him oh was just... Had me dying as like this porky pig kind of Spider Man Spider Ham crossover. Yeah. Chris Pine is in there for like two minutes. Uh, also, Lily Tomlin is Mary uh, Parker, oh, and um, the, a little spoilery. I don't want to say who she plays, but Catherine Hahn is in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and like <laughs> she is. Um, she is. She is. Fantastic. I mean, she. Yeah, I've, I've talked about her before. How I think she deserves everything in yeah. the world. So yeah, the cast is like it couldn't get better essentially like it's a it's an incredible cast story-wise it's it's extremely coherent uh extremely emotional like tear-jerkingly emotional this is a movie that should not make sense because it is so much like mumbo jumbo but it's almost like they just like make the most of it and they're just like yeah give me a goober like that's just what they call like their hacking device they're like yeah "Yeah, there's always a goober there's always just some kind of a thing (laughs) that you put in that stops the thing and saves the world they just like they play with this idea of MacGuffins and more so than that the way that they play with origin stories oh it's genius is so genius because I, that was kind of a concern for me was just like, oh, here we go with another fucking origin story that we're going to spend the whole movie doing yeah. this. And the way they establish an origin story for each of these characters, sometimes multiple characters at once, and it just plays it together. A bit. It becomes just there's yeah. so many different bits in this movie yeah. that I think work geniusly. I agree that I did. I did think that I've laughed more during this movie than any other movie during the year. Um, some people have complained that um, specifically in some of the action sequences, it can get a little bit too 
psychedelic Ridiculous. acid trip, but that never really bothered me. No, I, um, I mostly just loved that. <laughs> I, I see. I yeah. loved it too because it had the same aspect to it that Incredibles two did, where it's like I'm watching some of the best action ever, and it's because it is animated. Yeah, you it, can do anything with it. You don't have to make cuts or anything like that. Like you're watching this all happen, and it all looks so seamless. This whole fighting, you can tell the whole. Yeah. Um, the entire arc of the fighting happened. Yeah, a- animation screen. is only going to have a bigger piece of the pie moving forward because as we as a generation grew up watching cartoons, we take it seriously enough that we're willing to watch something like BoJack that has a dramatic element. That And if you combine that with the slapstick comedy that's possible in an animated movie, half of this shit you could not film, and the action that's possible in an animated movie, none of that shit you could have filmed. Like, right. it, it's... Like logistically impossible without like hundreds of millions of dollars of CG, and even sometimes when you use that, it, it doesn't. It looks bad. It looks yeah. actively bad. So it's well, like in Infinity Infinity War is essentially a cartoon anyway. Exactly, exactly. It's but, all computer. Yeah, and this so. one just isn't. And the problem with Infinity War is it's trying to like trick you, and you're like, no, I can tell. Yeah, I know it's not real. This movie, it's a cartoon, so you don't. There's no burden of hey, this is pretty photorealistic, right? right. No, so, it's not. It's just something better than photorealistic. So uh, you brought up that the younger generation is more um, inclined to give something like this a chance. It really, it gets under my skin that people who are like, I respect and love like Chris Ryan and Amanda Dobbins like will refuse to watch any kind of an animated movie no matter how great they're it is because they're a, like, it's yeah. a cartoon. Ugh. I'm not going to watch it. I'm like, this is better than anything <laughs> any actual live action Marvel movie has put together. Yeah. I think that this is... The, by far the best uh, superhero movie of the year. I think that it might be one of the, it's up on the echelon for me. What, I think what this about fantastic in terms of uh, Spider-Man movies? Because I I think that this is definitely in the conversation for best Spider-Man movie ever made. But it's like that that idea of uh, using the established lore of Spider-Man to boast to yeah. bolster itself up. So this movie only works. Because, because there's rebooted... been nine other Spider-Man before. Yeah, exactly. It's, they've it's... rebooted Spider-Man three times well, now. Yeah, it's, it's the Isaac Newton of these, where he said, you know, I'll, I'll, I only know all this stuff because I stood on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. Like, that's what it's doing. Personally, it's my favorite that I've seen. I I mean, I I liked the t- Maguire ones growing up, but they honestly weren't my favorite movies. Uh, they're, they have a feel. They have a very distinct feel. Honestly, I think the only ones that are better are the Andrew Garfield ones. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> no, those suck. Those suck. I saw them both. They're both bad. Um, but this is my favorite. It is. I, it delivers in every single way. It's If I'm giving it a number, it's like a nine. Uh, there are like maybe two things I could critique possibly. Mainly, it was just like, I just they almost had too much to work with. So it was bothering me because I was like, Oh my God, they this have... movie could have been like two and a half hours long. And I don't even think that's I would have minded that's it. Thing. I, I like the runtime, but like I was thinking they have John Mulaney and Nick cage in the same fucking room yeah. and they're not using them that much. Yeah. Like they could just alone. That could be a movie. I, I don't know. So a couple times I was just, I wanted a little bit more, but this movie gave me everything I wanted. And I, then some, I just, I, I feel like if you put in too much, then you you're on this kind of delicate 
balancing act that you have with a movie that has this much humor, but then also is trying to still carry this emotional story where it can kind of become a little bit just like, if you give too much to the jokes, then anytime that Miles Morales starts to have this emotional scene, you might just be like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Let's get back to Spider-Pig, though. Let's see like what's going on with him. Yeah, because So I, I think that they fell on the right side of that line. The, the number of characters in this movie, uh, it's... It's ridiculous. Like, this is, what, uh, easily 10 characters that we're following. And, like I said earlier, it still manages to keep Miles central, despite giving time to all of these other different characters. So, yeah, maybe it would have been really cool, and I would have loved to have have seen the world where Spider-Ham is from, or the world where the uh, mech... Uh, spider robo spider uh, girl penny parker yeah, yeah where she's from or where spider noir is from and 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 have those characters established in their own stories and and understand them a little more but then that would have taken that uh, yeah time away from miles and this is miles story and i think that this movie succeeds so much because it it understands that not only it has to be this crazy wacky multiverse movie but it also has to maintain the the essence of what Spider-Man is while introducing a new character to become that yeah, Spider-Man. while Be- introducing a Afro-Latino-American yeah, to play Spider-Man. Because Miles Morales is a completely different person than Peter Parker. It's yeah. not like we're getting just black Peter Parker. Yeah, no, Miles, <laughs> he's more extroverted, like he's... I, there was something, um, I know we talked about it off mic, you and me, Ernest, but um, kind of comparing this to Black Panther. Um, and the year in black think, representation. Yeah, black representation in what is traditionally a non-black role. Um, I think that this movie succeeds beyond Black Panther because at times Black Panther is making more of a, a conscious social statement with what it's trying to do. And this isn't really, I mean, it makes a statement by not making a statement, by saying, yeah, this is just a thing that happens. This isn't some big event that's happening right now. This is just something that we can acknowledge that this is here. Um, Something else, an interview that I was listening to, that they kind of talked about the genius behind um, Miles Morales' character is this use of code switching that you see him in the very beginning of the movie, he's walking down the street. Some people talk to him in Spanish and he like greets him back in Spanish and everything. And yeah. he's just like dapping people up. And then he walks into this like nice prep school and he's like very like, uh, he speaks in what sorry to bother you would call white voice. Yeah. Like, and that's just kind of something that without making a statement, that's something that people do every single day of their lives. And it, and it, it wasn't like the movie was trying to, be like hey let's show you what it's like for this boy to live his his life it's like no this is just this is just who this guy is it it was just playing into his character it wasn't trying to do like a whole complicated social statement like were you saying with black panther and i think black panther gets bogged down because while ryan coogler took it upon himself to try to make something uh, bigger than grand. than yeah. than your average superhero movie, it still has to fit in that Marvel movie mold. So it couldn't fully commit to any of those ideas because it ended up being just your average superhero movie, even though he injected those bigger themes. Yeah, this movie it's not preoccupied with doing any of that. And the thing that I I think the lo- I love the most about it is that 
it ends up being it ends up showing you that uh peter parker's story is not the only story that leads to what spider-man represents Mm -hmm. like uh miles morales doesn't become black spider-man he's he's spider-man he's just Mm spider-man he's wearing a full suit and a full mask there's nothing uh that you would look at at him and, and say like oh that's a half hispanic half black boy in there because that's that's the whole point of spider-man like it, it could be anyone mm-hmm. yeah it's the whole point of the movie yeah yeah i mean quick summary this before spoilers uh this movie i would say is nearly perfect it does almost everything it wants to do phil lord uh at this point it's almost hack to say he's basically famous for taking uh sketchy or bad ideas and just making incredible yeah. movies his he's, his first movie was cloudy with a chance of meatballs which is based on a kid's picture book with almost no plot almost no story and he made a movie that is genuinely really good i still have never i've never seen, seen, seen cloudy with a yeah chance i saw it i saw it on cable out. once when i was back home and i was like what like this is <laughs> it's actually really good it has it has the emotional plot line it's very funny even though it's for little little kids because mm-hmm. that is a that's a book for like four-year-olds yeah uh then he takes the Jump Street franchise, which is not a franchise anyone in our generation had even like heard of. It's like an eighties. It's TV an eighties TV show starring Johnny Depp, and and they just they bring it back. Everyone's like, "Why?" No one asked for it. No one wanted it, and he makes it work not just like decently well, exceedingly well. No one thought there would be a sequel to Twenty One Jump Street, the movie. <laughs> like that was not in the plan. Yeah, and it did so well that they made one. Uh, I really, really like. I'm going to give most of the credit to him, but the way this movie looked, it was unbelievable as well. Yeah, the animation team. Yeah, it, they knocked it out of the park. They basically layered like four or five different animation styles on top of each other. The way that they it looks so it's it's beyond just looking like a comic book because it doesn't have the full static element of like comics where it's like you have them in your hand you can flip the page whenever you want it all feels so fluid but then you have the hard lines you have the mo- point where you can like see like the bubbles like you're looking on a comic yeah. screen like it's so fascinating well, yeah. and yeah the that's the interesting part is the frame rate of the movie is super low mm-hmm. like it's almost it's almost like you're watching like an insanely fast slideshow or more accurately. It's like you're watching like a claymation movie, but it's digital. So it's, I've never seen anything like that in my whole life. Like I swear. So cool. There's Um, just, there's like at least a dozen, if not more scenes that were, I just wanted to like pause the screen, like print it out and like put it on a poster on my wall. Like beyond just like the actual poster that they put, which is a beautiful shot in the movie and on the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's just so many of those shots where I'm just like, yes, just pause it right here. Give me like a screen grab of this. Okay, so one animation choice that maybe, I think I could talk myself into it, Kingpin? No, oh. I lo- oh I love Kingpin. Yeah, <laughs> he looks uh, he looks so <laughs> he looks funny, so huge, so, like, just a big block. The uh, this movie is being screened in 3D. Uh, the way that they handle foreground and background in this movie is not to blur it; it's to just they didn't get rid of the 3D things. They just kept them in there. I mm-hmm. yeah okay. I I've actually heard that complaint, and I can see that. I saw this in IMAX 2D, mm-hmm. so um. Seeing it in IMAX, it wasn't really as jarring for me as it seems like it is for a lot of people just seeing it in a normal standard screen. It just, I, like for about five or ten minutes, I thought that I was in the wrong screening. (laughs) (laughs) But then once you, if you just focus on like the focus of, like that's just like blurring, that's how you know what to look at. So once you get used to that choice, you get it. But maybe it's lazy. 
like they just basically didn't change well, I, it. I would want to see it in in 3D to in well, order to be able to well, I'm, to judge. It honestly probably looked better in 3D. Yeah. Um. It, I just found that super interesting that instead of blurs, they were like, well, what if we just like ha-? because the way you handle 3D is there are two transparent overlaps to, just to the left and just to the right of the actual thing, um, and that's just what foreground and background looks like in this mm-hmm. movie. So that was a little strange. It took a while to get used to. By the end, it didn't bother me at all. It just kind of strikes me as like, huh, they just kind of didn't change it. <laughs> I saw it, I saw this in Dolby, oh. and it looked beautiful. Like like I said, it's it was just... It's very crisp. Uh, it's a very, very crisp. It's so beautiful to look at, and I want to see it again just to kind of take in more of the, the beautiful animation and just like so many of the little... There, there's probably like hundreds of like little easter eggs in the background oh oh, man there was i want to talk about some of the spoilers but some of them just like made me giddy whenever i like actually like applied hello yeah hi hello there's a chance with a four hat on instead of chance three that one was pretty that one's uh, he's in several scenes but also the hi hello for shout to oh hello for john Um, yeah let's let's get into spoilers Um, we've we've talked about it uh yeah at length uh i would also give it a nine more towards the eight side like a light nine but I, I loved it it was amazing i'm on like a strong nine like it's really hard for me to think about things that like i don't think there was nothing in this movie that actually seriously bothered me i'm like on a nine to a 9.5 like that movie between like this and mission impossible fallout were probably like my two favorite theatrical experiences of the year cool. yeah talking about it i agree there's nothing like there's nothing i can really i was like man this really took any like i liked it better than i liked uh buster scruggs uh, very similar movies. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. It's, it's a natural comparison. It's one of my famous comparisons. It's just a movie that works on all levels, even when it shouldn't. And it's a triumph. This is, I th- I think it's going to do well box office wise. Yeah, I, think- I hope it does so that Hollywood gets the message that that this is where superhero movies need to be going towards. I think that this is, before we get into spoilers, I think that this is, pretty criminal that the only real awards recognition this is just going to get for animated feature and it looks like it's going to it already won the la and then new york's uh critics associate i mean Critics it's, circle it's it already against, won those awards it's up against incredibles and isle of dogs which is incredible that it is going to beat those movies because i think this is better than both those movies but just when you yeah. talk about like Everything that where this movie succeeds, I feel like it should get so much more love uh, critics wise than it actually is going to yeah. because it's an animated feature. There's this natural tendency to knock it for that. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's yeah. let's get into spoilers now. And uh, yeah. So if you haven't seen it, pause now. Go please see it. go see it. Um, this cast blew me away. Like just the s- level of stackedness of this cast. Like I want to start off with uh chris pine as peter parker because (laughs) i was listening i was listening to his voice and i was like that doesn't sound like jake johnson maybe i'm wrong maybe he's putting on like a little bit of a lower voice um and i didn't realize it was chris pine until later on but he dies (laughs) kingpin fucking crushes him and i kept thinking like okay He's going to come back somehow. There's going to be some sort of multiverse mumbo jumbo where we get him back. He doesn't come back. No, that version that, of Spider-Man is dead. That, yeah, I love that. I love that. And then when we're introduced to Jake Johnson's Spider-Man, to Peter B. Parker, I was so into that. I was so into that because uh, 
like we just went through Spider-Man PS4 where I think we get like the most one of the most definitive depictions of Spider-Man ever and now we're seeing a completely different take on that where this Spider-Man is not really going through things fully like nailing everything he kind of sucks at a lot of things his marriage fell apart he's like yeah you see the old disheveled peter yeah, parker he's a little pudgy just, he's had he's just kind of had it with the world yeah i really he enjoyed sold that. out like he made a christmas album and shit yeah. like yeah. Was... uh jake johnson has a great voice and, oh, and he's, he's so a, good and he's a co- comedic actor so that was the perfect choice uh that character is very funny the whole concept i wanted to mention of a multiverse almost never goes wrong for me no matter who does it like show like even spanning back when i was a kid fairly odd parents did something similar to this and i I, it was my favorite thing i had seen in my life up to that point up to age eight (laughs) uh because it's just very diverse views at that point so um just because the the possibilities are literally limitless it's just a matter of limiting what you're doing yeah um and that's what we were talking about with limiting our time with these characters and, uh, not, and not focusing on, like, explaining the logistics of it Exactly. Either. Yeah, no. There's even a Family Guy episode that's from past peak Family Guy, and it was, like, vintage good f- Family Guy because it's a multiverse episode. Uh, and then, obviously, Rick and Morty has dealt with this in Rick almost... community. Uh, I mean... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just... It's a concept that uh, scientifically we're talking about more and more, and so our entertainment is going to discuss it more and more. And this, is a, this was an amazing iteration of that. Yeah, one of the the best choices to that is the choice of having Doc Ock be a woman. Yeah, so the, it's it, it they play Lily it as, Octavius. They play it as a twist. So we have Catherine Hahn as as Lily Octavius, and like as soon as she says the word Octavius, everyone's like, oh, "Whoa!" Shit. It, and like that that just encapsulates the the so many of the triumphs of this movie. That as soon as you hear Octavius, like this movie, it doesn't waste time explaining who this character is it it knows that you already know who doc ock is and it knows that because it's a multiverse movie that yeah doc ock can be a woman why not it's a fucking multiverse movie so there's so many moments that just are built on the fact that you already are going into this movie with a with a prior knowledge of spider-man and all of the characters associated with that world and it keeps playing with that and building on that without like fucking it up or like yeah. bastardizing it in any way it's it's amazing yeah so we get into anime uh spider girl with her well it's the spider robot with an anime yeah girl a telepathic it. spider that which is that like represents her dad her dead dad yeah. or something yeah. like, which is yeah that was hilarious <laughs> you get spider ham john mulaney who's like an old school uh pig cartoon okay, so, so many one great of, lines one of the best uh bits in the whole thing is whenever um Whenever Shmeek Moore, uh, Miles' character, says something, whenever he like can turn visible or stuff, and they're just like, "Oh, like what kind of abilities can you do? Can you like?" Um, and they like talk about stuff that they can do on command, all their different abilities. And uh, Spider-Ham is just like, "Can you float through the air anytime <laughs> you smell a good pie?" Yeah, <laughs> just sees him like floating around. So good. yeah, and it, and again, it's not just like they cast a funny guy; they cast a funny guy with a vaudevillian voice. Yeah. Uh, perfect choice. He sounds like he would be like he could voice a Looney Tunes character. Yeah, That's has, the kind of voice that he has. Yeah, his whole his whole vibe is kind of like an old school feel with a new school uh, ideology. Yeah. Uh, so that was perfect. Nick Cage, it, this <laughs> doing you, his best Rorschach impersonation. So, yeah. You know what cracked me up because he's playing noir Spider Man, 
out of all the movies he's been in where he takes a role that should be understated and he goes fucking insane and it ruins the movie he's super underplayed in this movie like he's super chill (laughs) it's an animated comedy and he's like no i'm gonna be pretty for real in this like i was like nick (laughs) i loved it though i love how like he's just like he's from the 1930s and he just kills nazis in his universe and everything and then he comes into this yeah All, all his lines were great um i mean phil lord is my hero it's do you know how hard it is to make a little kid and an adult laugh at the same time yeah like it's borderline impossible (laughs) do you know how many ads we got i'm sure you guys got the same trailers for like the new illumination movies and all that yeah and they weren't funny and all the kids were laughing and then you get an ad for an adult movie and the adults yeah it's so hard to find this universal tone it's so fucking funny, and man. Some of the funniest moments for me were those uh, comic book origin intros where they're just like, all right, let's do this one last time yeah, for yeah. real. And that's that's what I keep bringing up. That's what I keep saying that like it, it just uses this prior knowledge of Spider-Man flawlessly and it, it, it makes like genius, genius comedy out of it. And as new and, and inventive as this was, thinking back on it, the story of Miles Morales ends up being pretty similar to Peter Parker. Mm. And let's get into Mahershala Ali's character. His uncle wow. ends up dying yeah. Uh, yeah. to to boost him to becoming a hero. It's like it's still the uncle death. His, we still get that moment. Which that actually that character played out super well because as soon as Prowler shows up to the house, I was like, oh, fuck, that's going to be his uncle and everything. And I thought that his uncle was just going to like – Go full bad. But well, then did you know that that off... character was Prowler? No. from the start. Yeah, because no. I didn't. Either. I didn't. I didn't. That was a genuine that. surprise yeah. when you get that reveal that that is the Prowler character, and then just kind of having that whole moment come together. And not only that, I thought that it also it played really well into the superhero mold. The whole idea of. Um, Miles's father seeing his uncle dead, not re- coming in the aftermath, and then seeing Spider Man zipping away, yeah. he immediately wants to fault Spider Man. It reminded me of the first Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire, exactly. and seeing Green Goblin, like seeing his father there dead, he immediately oh, blames Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it shows that there is a commonality across all these universes, which is the same. It's almost a commentary on uh, comic books in general. Every superhero has a tragic origin exactly. story. Exactly. Like, there's no exception one one thing that i really loved about this and, th- and this is something that um i had to kind of sit on and let stew in my brain because my first reaction after walking out of this movie is that i could have used a little bit more emotion and a little bit more really? yeah yeah like after i walked out of it i was like you know i i should have cared more about the death of the uncle character but after thinking about it you realize that I you're really, a sociopath. No, I, <laughs> it, that that whole subplot really worked for me because um, what this movie does that other Spider-Man movies don't do, and I, I think Homecoming kind of did it, is that it takes the entire movie to show you him becoming Spider-Man. Like, think back to the first Raimi movie where uh, he's not Spider-Man, Uncle Ben dies, and then it fast-forwards to him becoming Spider-Man, and, that, and now it's like... Boom! He's a hero. He's 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 good at it. I mean, we get that uh, cage fighting sequence, but it doesn't take the whole movie for him to become Spider Man. In this movie, uh, Miles doesn't become a hero until the very very end. Like that whole sequence at Aunt May's house where all of the villains are attacking, he sucks 
at that. Yeah. yeah. He's so bad at it. And it's because of that, because of his inadequacy and because he chose to be there that leads to his uncle dying. Like yeah. there is a direct uh, link between him being there and him being unable to fight and to be a hero to Kingpin shooting and killing his uncle. So there is a true uh, sense of like uh, accountability and yeah. responsibility yeah. for the death of his uncle. Well, also because like you think if he was actually capable, if he had his full Spidey senses honed in, he would have known that his uncle was about to get shot. Yeah, like, all, I mean, all the emotional stuff worked amazing for me. Like, I, oh, also since you just brought up Aunt May, I love that they made her like the Alfred character. Yeah, and so yeah she just has all these gadgets bat. and all this kind of shit. Like, yeah, very, very, very. Her yeah, house no. gets um, wrecked. I I can't agree with you enough though about. Not not just about the emotional through line and how it aided that, that he didn't become. Just the fact that that is a better story than, for example, a movie I really didn't care for much, Doctor Strange, where at the end of the first uh, act, yeah. he just is the hero. Yeah. He, we didn't really see him become the hero. We, we skip it. We saw him like meditate, and we saw him like <laughs> look at his shaking hand a lot, and then he's just a hero. Yeah. And I really didn't buy into it. I was like, no, he didn't even try. Um, this movie is better because you see him try. There's a there's a really really popular video essay. It's either Every Frame of Painting or Nerd Writer where they talk about um the first Star Wars movie and the reason it's good is because you really see Luke fail for a long time. Mm. He doesn't just become it; he fails a lot, and that makes it earned. It makes the journey not just a movie; it makes it into like a a, a gripping uh kind of not like a i don't know not like a come up story just a story that feels like what real life feels like which is not just it happens and then it happens and it's over with like there's a surprising amount of realism and story structure done right in the middle of this movie um which is what i was saying earlier about the movie doing a great job of focusing on that character yeah that's because it it gives you despite the the tendency to want to give you all of this crazy bizarre multiverse shit which i you know obviously we welcomed all of it it understood that like it had to tell the story about uh miles wanting to balance his relationship with his parents and his and their expectations for him to go to that school with his relationship with his uncle and uh that amazing scene where he gets uh bit by the spider all everything leading up to that with the graffiti like that bonding moment you understand that like this is where he feels like he belongs you know he he doesn't feel like he belongs as much at at that school yeah and you get that like he sees his uncle as a true uh role model and i love that that movie like that this movie focused on that side of the character because we didn't get that with Peter Parker, you know? He didn't go out and graffiti and tag shit with uh, Uncle Ben. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, with Uncle Ben, it's like, oh, yeah, he was my role model and stuff. And it was like, okay, cool, but we didn't ever see that. You just see just, like, the aftermath and you're just, like, people talking like, man, your Uncle Ben was a great person. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but, like, he was a, what I mean, was your was bonding moments with him? Yeah, yeah he, was he was a father, a father figure, figure, but I like that there is more of you see more of the side where uh, Miles can kind of be him true his true exactly. self with somebody. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't believe they nailed that whole I, thing. <laughs> I did want to um, just talk about the uh, the credits and the post credit scene. 
Um, yeah, we get Spider-Man you... 2099. Yeah, 2099, which that was a big surprise. It's... The Spider-Man 2099, the costume is there. It almost reminded me of Spider-Man PS4 whenever they go down the lair and you see all the different yeah. costumes and stuff. It was like, oh, yeah, I unlocked that suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Spider-Man 2099. Is, uh, just it's like, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. He yeah. <laughs> just shows up there just for, like, one day yeah. of recording. Um, and... and then the Stanley. Lee... Um the little Stan Lee tag. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I don't know about you guys, but I teared up. Yeah. Very, so very as soon as I cameo. saw him, cause that was the first, I didn't even think, I didn't even think about this movie. Like I was just like, Oh yeah. You know, we'll see him. And yeah. Well, it's Stanley and, and both Steve Ditko. They both passed away this year. Yeah. Like the two creators yeah. of Spider-Man. And of, of course uh, they did have to CG him into this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, too soon, too soon, Drew. They oh, princess layered him. <laughs> Technically right. Yeah. Um, uh, real, real quick, Leif Shriver as Kingpin, uh, I thought it was awesome. I fucking love Leif Shriver. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Kingpin. Uh, a, like, yeah, move over fucking D'Onofrio. Yeah. You could <laughs> never be that big, and you could never have that small of a head. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he looks like he was just a brick person. It's incredible, especially that scene where he's, like, walking in next to Lily Octavius, and you get, like, the entire sense of how huge this character is. Like, you could take, like, five of her, and it still wouldn't equal the size of this person, just in, like, width and height yeah, yeah and his uh you get into his backstory too which was like incredibly emotional they managed to fit that into yeah, yeah. Like, how they, they make yeah. him into a they still find a time with all these characters to yeah make a compelling villain story out yeah of this. and it almost it almost shed a little light on the fact that they didn't do that for dr doc ock uh if you think about it you like she's she's a lot more generic oh right yeah they, you don't get into any real backstory with her also green goblin is fucking huge yeah He's like a monster. He's like an creature. actual like goblin. Yeah, <laughs> like a gargoyle. Yeah, I mean he doesn't really have any lines, but it's uh, it's credited to Jorma. Really? Yeah, really? it's Jorma from Lonely Island. That's oh. really funny. He just yeah, shows so, up again. This cast is just so stacked. Uh, what did you guys think of Haley Steinfeld as Spider Gwen? I thought that her character worked really, really well. I think that it's a big credit to her and Miles that they have like genuine chemistry with each other. Yeah. That um, I mean, I knew immediately uh from trailers and just knowing the comics. As yeah. soon as you see her in the school, it's like, oh, there's Gwen Stacy. Yeah. That's odd. I wonder how this is gonna play into everything. Yeah. But I think that that all nailed that all worked really, really well, and it left the door open at the end for a sequel. For a because apparently yeah. the uh, the next one they're gonna make Sony is gonna make a Spider Gwen story. Which, by the way, this is like a, a huge surprise for me. I I I knew this movie was gonna be good because I heard great things, but I didn't think that after leaving it, I was gonna be so ready for the next yeah. one. Yeah, and now like we've already seen like black spider-man now we get to see like a woman spider-man movie like that's fucking awesome and i'm so on board for that hell yeah um did you what did you guys think about Haley steinfeld oh i thought she was great yeah i I wish that she would act more i know that she's kind of doing like the gambino thing where she acts and then she also has like a musical career too but it's like the same thing with donald glover that i'm just like yeah i mean i like gambino stuff but can you just like (laughs) write more and like act in more things because i thought uh i thought the 
the the hair bit when she gets her hair chopped off when Miles is like sticking to everything. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. That was a that really, was really fun well. bit. It was it was really funny and it, it also just kind of made me like, oh no, now I have to have a hip haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and she's just gonna have that from now on because that's that's what people look like now. Get used to it, Grandpa. Um, yeah, she was great. Uh, I thought maybe she would be in it a little more but like we said it's not as if they just replaced it with a bunch of shit well she got more him. screen time than some of the other like ludicrous out there characters <laughs> yeah. which was i think for the best that it didn't go it this movie at several different points could have gone full camp and just <laughs> everything like just going so over the top of the zaniness i'm glad that it didn't that stayed as grounded as a movie like this can possibly yes, stay grounded. <laughs> exactly, because you understood where each character... It, it was a simple story, like a pretty fairly predictable plot. I mean, plot. Along, they, along with, aside from the uh, whole the multiverse. idea of the whole yeah. multiverse and this giant beam of canon. But the base arc, you really... Uh, you know, they, they managed to make a cop pretty cool, <laughs> pretty sympathetic. Oh, Brian Tyree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was awesome. They, that whole arc was it was beautifully done. It was yeah, it was simple, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because it's in the middle of a very complicated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I mean, for a kids movie, this movie is a lot heavier and more violent than I thought it would be, yeah. and I appreciated both of those things. Yeah, the the way they animate the Prowler with the uh, the sound the design, sound, yeah, I was like a little terrified if i was was a little kid i'd be kind of scared of the prowler i was a little puss when i was a kid i would have been terrified yeah that was that was really well done the whole chase through the the subway Mm -hmm. when miles is escaping after uh spider-man dies i was like oh yeah yeah it's it's amazing what they're able to do with this still being a pg movie like not even pg-13 this is like straight up just pg and they make the most i just wanted uh just i just had a couple other bits that I wanted to shout out. Um, whenever they're all leaving, in Spider Man, Spirit Parker, a giant mallet. <laughs> it's just like, here's a hammer. You can fit it in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, so many, so many good lines. I think the the biggest triumph of this movie is that it contains multitudes. It is. It's everything. It yeah. is at once. I was expecting. I wasn't expecting a th- like seven dimensional movie. You know right. what I mean? Like also, it's represented by the art style too. Like I mentioned, yeah, earlier. that's that's what I'm saying. What else would you want out of a movie other than humor, uh, gripping emotional storyline, thrills, scares, action, amazing art, and really good acting? Like mm-hmm. what else? It has everything. What is on the list that's not in this movie? Like it's all in it. And I I want to again shout out Jake Johnson as as our our uh, new uh pudgy spider-man i honestly spider-man I with sweatpants i didn't see that coming because like you know starting off with the chris pine one i was like okay like here we go you know spider-man he's good at it he's cool he's everyone loves him but that's not the character that we get in this movie we get a completely different version of it and it, i was it was just a very welcome surprise and i thought that jake johnson absolutely nailed, nailed it. it and i heard him um or maybe I read an interview with him where he was talking about um, like where his career is at right now. And he says that he doesn't understand why anybody would ever do what the MCU people do. Like to sit in tights for like 12 hour days in front of a green screen. Like he, he's like, those people are fucking stupid. Like I had to go into a recording booth 
and like eat some eggs and bacon and just chill out. And and he gives a better performance than pretty much anybody in the yeah, MCU movies. Yeah, and like the hours are better. And well, yeah, that's the other reason voice act and animation in general is going to take over Hollywood. It's so much. It is probably like a quarter of the commitment. And I'm not just talking in terms of effort because there's a lot less effort. But if you're an actor, you're willing to put in effort. It's just a matter of how many things can you do at once because your career is very on average short as an actor yeah and if you're doing animated movies you can literally just do three hours drive to a different lot there's no makeup there's no sitting you can in a full day it's not just one set anymore it's multiple sets it's less work for the actors but i don't want to diminish the actual the people who uh animated right this movie because for them you can tell how much sweat and effort that oh they yeah put into this it's because, immense and that's why i think that it's unfair that people unfairly diminish animated movies and say oh well it's just easier to do this because you don't have to have actual people and yes, in certain points, it, maybe it's it's not as long as a process, right. but there's still people out there, and just because you don't see them on screen, there are people out there that are putting in their absolute all into these. Yeah, movies. it's an it's an art form, yeah. and and also uh, again the the writing. I think that the writing to this Spider Man character is is great because uh, we actually care about. Well, I, I found myself really invested in his reluctance to return to his universe and like face his mistakes yeah and and you buy that yeah like i thought that i really connected with that i thought that was one of the most poignant uh little moments in the movie where like you get a sense that yeah he is spider-man he is peter parker but he's a version of peter parker that feels very like grounded and humanized because he's he's fucked up He's <laughs> fucked up and he's afraid to like deal with with the fallout of those of those mistakes and the way his life has panned out even though he's like this fucking superhero. Yeah. Great movie. Uh any any final thoughts? I think we're about ready to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah, I I this is going to be <laughs> the more and more that I look at my list I'm like, "Well, I like this movie more than this one." Yeah, I mean Sure, like this movie might have been like more like critically beloved and everything else, but like I just this movie, I mean, like we've said, it like it checks every single box. Hell so yeah. I don't really know. I, this is going to be tough for me to yeah. where I'm going to put this on my list. So we will bring you one final episode next week with a review of Roma. And then that will be the last one before we actually take on the top 10 movies, albums, and TV shows yeah. of the year in Might January. have to just over the break, whenever we take a break here, just try and catch up on yeah. everything. I already have a list. Of yeah, I have, I have a list of stuff. Paddington 2. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be at home with my family just not talking to them. <laughs> yeah, just watch Paddington 2. Watch some Burning. Because yeah. I've heard that that's incredible. Yeah. All kinds of other stuff. Uh, all right. So thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of We Bought a Mic by following us on social media at We Bought a Mic. And you can email us at weboutamike at gmail.com. Where can we find you guys? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Hunt Mobley, um, H-U-N-T-M-O-B-L-E-Y. Been making some fire tweets lately. Um, really setting the Twitterverse on fire. I was trending the, the other day. Spiderverse? I was, I was trending at like 900 millionth most person on twitter so nice. that I was saw a thing yeah yeah it was blowing up everybody um on letterbox you can check out my updated list for things Ooh. um yeah 
check it out. I'm saving my list as a spoiler. I am on Letterboxd at Drew D. I'm on Twitter at Drew D I E T Z E N. That's it. That's the only place that I will ever post anything. And I'm at Calderness on social media, Letterboxd, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week with one final episode. Bye bye.